Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hello everyone, Tara Williams here with the Mom Manual. I have another amazing guest for you guys today. Welcome, Miss Dr. Maggie. She is an educational audiologist, a business owner, and a soon-to-be mama located in the Midwest. Dr. Maggie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to be here. Yay, we are excited. I think the audiologist theme is coming in hot because we at Dreamland Baby, which is the business I have, just launched a nightlight sound machine. So we'll get into all that fun stuff in the episode, but tell us, Dr. Maggie, about yourself and how you got into, it's so specific, being an audiologist. Tell us your background. Yeah, it's, it is very specific. I chose this career as a senior in high school. We had to do a project and pick something. And, you know, I picked audiology. I did a lot of research and ended up sticking with it for many years, you know, until I had my degree. And yeah, I love it. I work in the schools now. I work with the kids and it's definitely where my heart is. I'm very blessed to, you know, be able to do what I love every day and working with kids with hearing loss and also just educating parents and families about, you know, keeping their babies and toddlers ears safe and, I, I love what I do. So it's, it's been very nice. That's actually incredible that you chose what you're going to do as a senior in high school. I mean, I just don't think you hear that anymore. We were growing fast as a company and interviewing people. And there's so many people coming out of college that say, I majored in this. Not sure if I want to do it. I don't know what I want to do. So very, very cool that you, you knew that so young and, and you still love it. Yeah. It's, one of those things that I feel like everything, all the stars just aligned for me. And I was really lucky to have such great mentors along the way that really encouraged me and kind of kept me going. And here we are. So it's been, it's been really nice. So tell us now, what do you do day to day? So day to day, I am in preschools, elementaries, all the way up to high school And I'm working with students to make sure that they have access to education um, in the classroom. That is my most of my day-to-day job, but I'm also on Instagram and I'm making videos trying to educate, like I said, families, parents on the importance of taking care of their baby's ears and, you know, how to clean their baby's ears and all that kind of fun stuff uh, with the ears and just kind of spreading awareness of the importance of audiology, the importance of getting your hearing, all those kinds of things so that babies and, you know, toddlers can develop that speech and the language and all that kind of stuff. I don't think we think often, even if your hearing is dimmed, that the speaking then doesn't follow. Right. And it's, it's so interconnected. I need to link you up with another audiologist who was on our podcast because she is looking to do something similar where it's really, it's so niche, but it's so impactful for everybody, especially parents where you don't know to use a Q-tip. Do you, I remember growing up, I felt like everybody had those tubes in their ears. I'd love to get oh, yeah. 
the topic. Like, I don't know if they do that anymore, but like, do we need tubes? Do we not? Why, why were they there? And then like the, the things when they swim, there's just so much that goes into it. But really, I, I just feel like there's such a gap in education on this to the general public. So you don't talk about it with your pediatrician. You know, you do the hearing screen at the hospital, right? And that's pretty much, okay, your baby can hear, goodbye. There's nothing more. You, you just don't, there's no education surrounding hearing at all. And I think for most people, it's probably a second thought until you are one of those families that has a child that, you know, their hearing isn't where it, it needs to be. Talk to us a little bit about that. So you said access to education for elementary all the way up to high school. Is that for um, children who are completely deaf, partially deaf? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so it's honestly such a spectrum for that. Uh, Some of the kiddos I see are just having a lot of ear infections and they have possibly had tubes. And that can sometimes, if they've had them so many times, it can cause scarring on the eardrum, actually. Mm -hmm. So that can prevent a little bit of the sound from getting through. You know, if they are just having reoccurring ear infections, that also, you know, especially at the ages of language development, you know, as they're a baby all the way up to seven or so is kind of when language is being developed. It's a long period of time that, you know, we want to make sure that they're able to hear. So we're going to, you know, either put some hearing aids on them. There's also devices for kiddos in the schools that are maybe just having more of that attention issue where the sounds coming in, they're just not processing them like someone normally would. So we we have devices that we can put on them that they can wear at school. Those are called Roger Focuses, for mm-hmm. one example. And uh, the teacher's voice actually can go right into their ears so that they're able to focus more. And the background noise is kind of a little bit eliminated. Almost like they're listening on a pair of headphones. Yeah, almost like that, but they're right in their ears. They look just like hearing aids. A lot of people don't really know about those, but, you know, it's very helpful. We see a lot of kids improve so much with that technology. And then the the kiddos that have, you know, the cochlear implants that maybe aren't hearing at all without them, um, we really want to provide extra technology and support for them so that they can hear the teacher's voice goes straight into their cochlear implants. And then also making sure that the noise in the classroom is kind of dimmed by, you know, just certain things like make sure the door is shut, you know. So we're talking with the teachers and we're talking with how can we support um, these kiddos as best as we can so that they're really able to learn and, you know, they're not so tired by the end of the day from listening fatigue. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. That you just said so much stuff that I had no idea about. So are these children, and I know preschool to high school is a big range, but are they in special education classes or are they just kids in, in the normal classes? Yeah. So it's all, um, like I said, such a big range between there is a lot of kiddos in special education, but there's a lot that are just mainstreamed. It kind of depends on the child, but there's, everything, everything you could imagine, um, every type of kiddo. And sometimes you wouldn't even know and the teachers don't even know. So it's like our, kind of our job to say, hey, 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 like, I know they're getting by really well, but they're actually trying 50% harder than everyone else in the classroom. So let's make it a little easier for them. <laughs> oh, talk to me about hearing fatigue, because that is not something that I have ever heard that term before. Yeah. So listening fatigue, what it is, is basically there's been studies done now with kiddos with hearing loss, and then also kiddos with what's called auditory processing disorder, which is kind of what I talked about earlier with 
just processing differently um, than, you know, what you would normally expect. And what happens is throughout the day, they just give up. They actually measured the stress in saliva. So the hormone in the saliva that causes stress. And it was a lot higher for those students that had hearing loss, especially the longer the time went by throughout the day. So what we can do for those students is make sure they're having those listening breaks, you know, giving them that time and that space to kind of decompress maybe in the middle of the day or something. And it does also depend on the child, but it can coincide with a lot of behavioral issues at school. And so I think when we bring that up, Hey, you know, they're really tired (laughs) and the, especially the little ones, you know, they don't know what's going on. They're just tired and they don't want to listen anymore. And so, you know, just explaining that to the educators, like, Hey, they might just need a little break. You know, yeah. so when they start acting out because they're bored, it's because really they've given up because their fatigue is so high. Oh, that's really interesting to think about. I'm thinking about myself. I think my hearing is good. I'm not sure. I get my eyes checked each year at the eye doctor and I have actually been, my eyes have been getting better, which I heard can happen like right before you lose your eyesight. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Old age. I know. Cause I used to have 20, 20 and now it's 1820 or something like that. I can't remember. And I was like bragging to everyone like, Oh, my eyes are so good. And they're like, that happens right before you need glasses. But I don't, I don't regularly get my ears checked. Like I have no idea in my home. I'm an adult, obviously, but my husband always says I talk really loud and I do, I do think I talk louder, but I think I say to him, your ears are just really sensitive. And even like, if we're in the car, we have four children, but in the car, it's like the kids are just, they're talking, they're laughing, whatever they're kids. And like, they're being loud, but it like hurts his ears. Like it's, so I think it's because it's like amplified. We're in a small space. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm almost like, I want to get my ears checked because I feel like I talk louder because I can't hear as well. Right. And especially I start talking even louder when there's like, when we're in a restaurant, I'm like shouting because I can't hear, but to him, my voice is so loud. It's like truly this is, this probably means we have a good marriage. It is the biggest contention point in our marriage. The biggest, like number one is because when he tells me I'm talking too loud, I, I know it's hurting his ears, but I take it as a, so so disrespectful in a way, like quiet your voice, you know? And he's not saying it that way, but like, I just, I'm like so hurt every time he says it. And this happens at least twice a week. So for adults, like, can we get our ears checked? Should you be doing that each year? Do you lose your hearing as you get older? Like with eyeglasses, like tell me, which I know this is a, we're talking more about children on this podcast, but I think mamas, we want to know about our ears too. So tell me yeah. about all those things. No, I, I agree. That's really important for moms. Uh, Cause you know, we have a lot to hear, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah. So I, and I have worked with a lot of adults too, you know, in the past. Uh, and honestly, you never know because sometimes you think you're hearing everything really well, but if there's a, as you age, the higher frequencies. So if you think of a piano, it goes from like lows, mids, highs. So those higher um, pitches or what we call frequencies, those can kind of slowly get worse and worse so that we're not hearing as much of those higher frequencies. And what's happening is that your inner hair cells after time, they just kind of get a little less sharp 
they're just, you know, age, it's just aging. We're getting um, old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying you're getting old, but you know, uh, and a lot of times also, you know, with, even with kids or adults, this could have been, you know, I'd be curious to see kind of where your hearing is at because sometimes you can get by for a long time without really realizing it because your brain is so smart. It's going to compensate for everything. You just never know. And I always recommend like at least, um, you know, as you're, you're still young and everything, I would do it like once every, every year or maybe like every two years like at your annual physical I'm just like hey I want you to check my like I know they look in my ear but I always thought they were looking for I don't know I don't know what they're looking for what what do you look for when you look in the ear what do you see <laughs> we're, we're sure that everything's healthy in there we can see um your cone of light which is just part of your what we call tympanic membrane or eardrum um right. if there's not a nice little light there uh coming from it's kind of like uh there could be fluid, there could be some infection. We want to see that. And we want to make sure that it's not plugged with wax because that's another thing that very common for people um, our age is just getting plugged with wax and not knowing it. And then we use Q-tips and we just push it further in and push it further in. And, hmm. and then it's like even worse. <laughs> uh, okay. So I've always wanted to do, is it a wax candle where they like pour the wax in the ear and then pull it out? Is that, that's no, you're, you guys, if you can't see her face, she's not making a good one. It's a no face. So that's a no, that's a no go the wax candle. Well, it's a, it's funny because my mom and my aunt did that on me when I was younger. Oh, you know, way before I knew I would be working with ears and it looked real. I mean, we were like, wow, we got so much out. Well, lo and behold, you know, when, once you're in grad school and that comes up somehow, apparently it's not actually wax coming out. It's just part of the candle, but it looks like it. So So say I go to, so now each time, cause I'm very regimented and every January at the beginning of the year, I get my physical and then I've been doing my eyes, which are improving apparently. Um, I'm going to start now saying, I want you to check my ear. So how do they check the hearing of the ear? Like how, how do you check that? So they would probably refer you to an audiologist. Uh, most doctors wouldn't really have the equipment to do it. And then you would go in and you'd see someone like me and we'd bring you back. It's pretty quick. It's, I would say less than 30 minutes yeah. and they'll bones of all different pitches. So from the lows, mids, highs, they'll do all of that and make sure that you're in that normal range. And if you're not, they're going to tell you, Hey, you know, you're okay for now. Like you're kind of just in that borderline normal range, you know, or they'll say, Hey, you know, you're really not, you're missing out on all these sounds and hearing aids are going to really help you. And they're going to say, you can try them if you want and see how you like them. Um, and then most people try them out. And if they really need them, usually, you know, after like a week or so, their ears are get used to them yeah. and they, they love them. It's a huge difference. And they notice they're less tired too, from that fatigue. Okay. So is this something covered by insurance? Cause now of course my head's spinning and I'm like, I need to bring my entire family. Everybody needs to get tested. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean yeah I definitely and especially as you get like 50 definitely should be getting your ears tested for sure like 
Okay. Okay. All right. So now I go to the audiologist. They are testing out my ears and they see a ton of wax. How do they get the wax out? What happens next? That was one of my favorite parts, honestly, when I worked in <laughs> like Dr. Dr. Pimple Popper. Have you ever seen that show where you like take out gross things? I would love to pick wax from people's ears. How do you guys do yeah. So we have two different ways. One would be a curette and it's basically, I had actually had one earlier because I helped my sisters with her, her babies. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to post a video about that soon, actually, but um, they're just little curettes. So it's just kind of a little, uh, kind of picker that you would look at and it has a light on it so that you can see inside the ear. So they're going to look inside and they're going to say, whoa, like that's a lot of wax. We can try with the curette, but if that doesn't work, we're going to use water. So the ear gets it and that pushes water in and it kind of like goes back behind it so that it can get it out safely. Cause sometimes it can get really close to your eardrum. And the last thing you want to do is get it out um, with the curette and then possibly like it's stuck to the eardrum and it's going to hurt and possibly just, you know, pot make the eardrum inflamed a little bit, maybe some bleeding. So we want to do it as safe as possible, but I definitely like going in and doing it, especially if you're really impacted. What about for kids? So my kids ages now are five, eight, nine, and 10. So we don't use q We I don't think we really have any type of, I was going to say, um, eardrum health. I don't know what you want to call it, but cleaning, like we don't, I don't do anything with them. They just take a shower and that's it. What, what do you recommend for kids? So for kids, I would start at home and you can do a DIY kind of remove wax removal. I would do it probably once or twice, like once a week or maybe like once every other what? week. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Once a week. Okay. I've been, I, nobody, this has not happened for the last 10 years for my 10 year olds. <laughs> okay. So what, what am I doing? So I guess once a week, if they're actually having like wax where you're I noticing don't know if anybody's having wax, I mean, every okay. once in a while you see just like a little, like a tiny bit and it's like, Oh, get that out. Or like, they feel it. I mean, me too. Like I'll every once in a while, just like feel something in my ear. I do not use Q-tips. I always thought that was super sketchy when I see friends using it. My husband uses Q-tips, but to me, it just, I'm like, I just feel like you're pushing it down. I can't imagine you're pulling it out, but I also feel like there could be wax in my ear that I'm unaware of. So the kids, all right, going back to the kids once a week. Yep. So all you're going to use is warm water and hydrogen peroxide, just a 50, 50 mixture. You're just going to mix that up and then you're going to put it in their ear and have them kind of be laying on their side so that it'll sit there for about 10, 15 minutes. And then do the other side. And then that's right before they shower or take a bath. Then they go in the bath and just kind of rinse it. And that should really just take everything out if it's not too impacted. And I this is not Yeah, you can do that. We recommend that for anyone who's, you know, wanting to kind of prevent that impact impaction mm -hmm. so that they don't have to come in and get it cleaned every three okay, months. So or don't, go, don't go crazy. Don't go on Amazon and buy the candles and like all these like... <laughs> crazy things that people are selling. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I love that. Today's episode was brought to you by dreamland baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep. The dreamland baby weighted sleep sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the mom manual and founder of dreamland baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wit's end. 
Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary CoverCom technology, evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest? All right, switching gears to the nightlight. If anyone is watching on on video, we just launched a nightlight sound machine at Dreamland Baby. And we're traditionally a wearable blanket company, but this is our first jump into sound machines. And that is why I wanted Dr. Maggie to come on today to tell us all things sound machines. So if you are pregnant, if you are, you know, have young kids. Even my 10-year-old uses this, so she loves the light feature, but tell us a little bit about how these gain popularity, just anything you want to share on the nightlights. Yeah, so I definitely, when I think of a sound machine, I think of sleep (laughs) and just the fact that you're, you know, your baby's sleeping any time of the day, any time of the night. Um, And you're going to be out doing things maybe, or maybe sleep, taking a nap as well. I love I have a sound, like, I love using sound machines. Also, (laughs) I think they're great for everybody, but I just think, you know, the thing about babies is I don't think we think about this a lot, but I've been recently kind of talking about how when they're still in the womb, it's very loud in there. I mean, they are used to pushing in the moon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're hearing all your bodily funk, like they're hearing everything and their ears start developing as soon as five weeks. Wait, they five are, weeks being five weeks being a tadpole in utero. Oh, so that has to be one of the first things, right? It's I would say one of the first things. Wow, five weeks hearing right. begins to develop. That is incredibly early. Okay. Yes. So by about 25 weeks is when they are fully developed, 25 to 28, kind of depending on the baby. So they're they're hearing. I mean, they're definitely you know, we don't think about that, but it is happening. So they are used to a lot of noises going on. Like just think about what you do every day and in the car, listening to music. And so, you know, it, it's something that is going to help with the sleep for sure. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Even if they're in the NICU, there's a lot of noise going on there as well. So that sound is something that is going to soothe them. I just, I don't know in what world why you wouldn't use one to be honest. <laughs> well, it's I when I think about you look quite a bit younger than me and you guys can't see but Dr. Maggie is pregnant with her first baby due in October. So all all baby things. We we are going to send you a sound machine your way. Um hey. I don't remember I grew up I was born in 86. So I don't remember them being popular. I don't I just don't remember people having them. And now it's everybody I know they have them not only in every room of the, in their room, all of their kids' rooms, they have people have travel ones. 
you know, you had mentioned even before, the, before we got on, a lot of people are recommending to have one inside the room, one outside there. I mean, they're like all over. So what was the explosion of sound machines? Like, where did this come from? Yeah. I mean, I think just the fact that we're so into now, like the swaddles, the, you know, the bassinets that are turning, you know, turning for like anything we can do to make it easier for mama, easier for baby. I just think it's, you know, it's so great how things are changing and um, work smarter, not harder is yes. kind of what Yes, yes, yes. No, I think too with with sound machines being so popular is social media, right? So people are now sharing, I have the sound machine. It has helped my baby sleep through the night. It has helped me sleep. What I actually really love, and I was really specific to put on our particular sound machine, they're sound machine nightlight combos, most of them now. My daughter is, she's going into fourth grade. So she's not a baby. She will be 10 next month, but she is so afraid of the dark. And so we would have her sleep every night. She doesn't want like a nightlight. Like she wants the light on, like full light in her bathroom, completely on. And then I'm not going to go back and shut it off. But what I love is we have this 30, 60, 90 timer. So I put it at 30 minutes. She's, she's my best sleeper. Like she gets into bed and she's out. And so after 30 minutes, it shuts off. And then the brightness, I can make her super bright. So it illuminates like her whole room. My boys are five and seven or five and eight, rather they share a room. They like more of the sound and they just, there's a super dim. So they have just like a little bit of the light. So I, I love that these can be customized and really used for all ages. When my kids were younger, we had a different brand cause we didn't have one yet, but same thing. We used them like every night religiously. I wasn't crazy um, to travel with it though. I felt like when we traveled, as long as I had the dream on baby sleep sack, I was fine. But um, <laughs> tell us about that, like, you know, the traveling and kind of keeping that sleep environment, how important that is. No, I feel like when you're traveling, because it's so funny, my sister, she lives in Boston normally, and she has a newborn. Well, now he's three months. He's amazing. I mean, he sleeps so well, but she started him on a really good routine right away. Um, so she's, you know, she's got the sound machine. She's got the um, the bassinet that moves back and forth. And they travel to Michigan for, it's going to be about two months that they're in Michigan. Um, they're trying to find a house and everything. So it has been really interesting. She stayed with us over the weekend and she said, you know, do you have a sound machine? Do you have a bassinet? Like we need to make sure that everything is staying as good as possible and as comfortable as possible for her baby. And he did so well because we had those things lined up. And I just can't imagine, you know, that routine is so important. And that I've seen that, you know, I've been such a babysitter nanny. It is not easy for these kids to be thrown out of this routine. And I definitely recommend, like, I, honestly, I would probably bring it with me. It's it's small enough to fit in the car or to fit in your luggage. Bring it with you. I mean, or get one for traveling. If, you know, you want to keep one in the room, get a couple of them and make sure that, you know, you're keeping everything as consistent as possible. It's going to be better for you and the baby. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, you know, we we have sleep consultants on here quite often. And the all the number one thing is just that routine, 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 which is, it's not always possible, especially when I think about my fourth. I mean, he just, he had to sleep half the time in the car because I'm driving kids to school and pickups. And, you know, especially when he was a baby, my kids were in preschool. So I had one person in elementary school, one person in preschool and, you know, then sports and 
So keep the routine as much as possible. In terms of benefits with the with the sound machines, I mean, we're just talking helps babies kids fall asleep, stay asleep. Any other benefits that we haven't thought about? Yeah. So I do think, you know, a big component is just the fact that they're comfortable because they are used to that noise, especially the newborns, especially the kiddos that maybe were in the NICU. I think that's going to really create that comfortable space for them in their nursery or in, you know, if they're in your bedroom, but also just keeping them asleep as well, you know, because you're going to, if you're out (laughs) making noises and vacuuming and, and stuff like that in the in the house, uh, you know, and I don't have a big house, so they're, my baby's going to hear me if I don't have anything going on. And that's why I think the hallway is a really good idea as well if you're walking by. Um, but yeah, just keeping them comfortable. And honestly, as you get older, um, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when it's really quiet and you're like used to noise all day and then you try to go to sleep, my ears will start ringing. Like if I don't have noise going, yeah. your ears start ringing because you're so used to that stimulation all day and then you're and then it's gone (laughs) and then your ears are like wait this is too quiet you know like I need something and so it'll just start making some ringing sounds which is called tinnitus so that's a very high possibility it happens to me you know what I do actually and I feel like whenever I tell people this they're like oh my gosh you're gonna get cancer in your ears so I will put so I, I used to, I, okay, we're going to, we're going to go back and I'm going to give you guys some TMI. I used to wear the ear plugs every night because my husband snores a little bit. He's had that like nose machine, whatever that thing is. He's supposed to wear it. He has like sleep apnea. So he snores. And there was a while that it was so loud, like seriously, like it was like a foghorn. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I don't want to sleep in a different bed than him or a different room. So I got these earplugs. At first I'd use those ones that are like the circular and they feel like foamy and I put those in, but I feel like they didn't really, they didn't really work that good. Then I got these ones that were almost like a putty. They're like a clear putty. And I put those in my ear and I can't hear anything. Like I am blocked out to the world. And my husband actually thought that might be dangerous for me because I hear no sound at all during the night. I mean, truly, if there was a fire, like I would have just slept through it because I couldn't hear. But what started happening that I thought was even odder was I would take him out and I'd almost feel like inside my ear was wet. Mm. Have you ever heard of this? It's probably like all the debris that couldn't get out throughout the night because the nighttime is when we kind of the wax comes out. And stuff like that. And if it's not, if you're plugging them up, then it's probably going to just sit there. Right. Well, and I've, I have never had ear infections. Like I don't, I'm, I'm sure I've had one as a child, but like, so I never, my ears never hurt. But then when I started doing it, this is the ear cancer I would put in, I got really big into audiobooks. So I'd put in my earbuds and then I would set a timer on my audiobook for about 10 minutes and I'm asleep before it even ends. But then the earbuds sit in my ears all night long. And everyone's like, that's so scary that you do that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about that? And that's a loaded question. Am I going to get cancer in my eardrum? Um, I don't think cancer, but I do think like, especially I'd like to see the size of the earbuds you're using. Cause it's the Apple, the Apple ones, you know, those. Oh, the Apple. Yeah. okay. Yeah. I think those are okay. I feel like it would make your ear sore though. And you could possibly get sores like around it. I would, I know I would. What do you mean sores? Like, so when people first start wearing hearing aids, sometimes they can get little sores in their ears, um, just on the outside, uh, because they're just not used to that. And it's, 
something different and your ear is really sensitive. So especially like the skin is really thin. Once you kind of get inside the canal, it, it gets really thin. It's mostly just bone actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's not the best to have something in for <laughs> hours and hours and hours. Oh, and I sleep for 10 hours every night. So <laughs> well I mean hey you must be lucky maybe you know you're just used to it but yeah like I know I'd wake up and they'd be like you know all sore you know what I think I might actually do is just see this would be the pinnacle of relationship success if I could say okay Rob that's my husband I'm gonna now put it across the room we're gonna put it on speaker with a tent so we can both hear it from afar and then you know fall asleep simultaneously like that would be perfection um (laughs) I will I will stop doing that and then (laughs) speaking of safety sorry I am just all over the place today I this is this is a fun conversation um safety back on the sound machines there are some things to be aware of with sound machines talk to me about the safety and this is mostly for baby and kids I guess yeah, I would say babies and, you know, younger, younger children. So according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, you want to keep your sound machine under um, about 60 decibels. So that is equivalent to like a vacuum, um, maybe a little bit quieter than that, but pretty much, uh, or talking in a louder voice, that's kind of where 50, 55, 60 is around. And I know not everyone's going to know, like, how do I how do I know where it's at? Um, you can just get an app on your phone for free, a decibel app. It'll tell you where it's at. Um, and then also you just want to make sure that it's not like directly under the crib or like right next to their, you know, right there next to the crib. Um, I would put it closer to the door because that's where the sound's coming from. And we want to like block that sound <laughs> or also, like I said, the, the hallway, put one in the hallway too. That way, you know, you got all your bases covered. And yeah, just make sure that it's not, if you need it to be really loud for like 10 minutes, just so they'll fall asleep, that's okay. Just don't like have it on that loud for longer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We always partner with medical community and any production of any new products. And, you know, this one is, is really different for us because it's a, it's a tech and it's, it's low tech, but it's still, it's a tech. So, um, we had the the decibel, um, like readings on it. So it can't go higher. The other thing that we did with this one is we have it, it can go higher and lower, right. Which is on, I I think most sound machines, but again, the 30, 60, 90 was really critical because I want to be able to just throw it in, put on that 30, or if your baby needs longer and then leave the room. So you don't have to come back in and shut it off. If you're getting into bed, The other thing that we said was the decibel, even if, so if you have another sound machine and it's, it is really loud, it's higher, the further you move it away from baby, then the decibel will go down, even if it's higher than that 60. So just always, I thought somebody was talking about like seven feet, but I don't know if that was relating to sound. Is there something with seven feet? Can't remember now. That sounds about right. I would probably keep it, like I said, if the crib, because my crib's going to be like next to the door, which now I'm rethinking that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, wait, yeah, maybe I should do that. Um, but yeah, I would just like have it on the on the other side of the room, wherever the crib is. Just have it on the other side of the room, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. This conversation was so much fun. All, all this stuff about wax. I'm, I'm dying now. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
I, I never did the candle, but I always really wanted to. And now you have squashed my, my lifelong dream of putting the candle in my ear. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Maggie. Um, and I know you're growing your Instagram, giving free content, which we love. Tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. So my handle is listen and learn with Maggie and it's just kind of a fun hobby for now, but, um, yeah, I love it. It's a, my creative outlet. So give me a follow if you want. <laughs> yes, give her a follow for sure. We'll be following along. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tara. I appreciate it.